So tonight we're going to take a look at step three. And many of you, if you've been, how many of you have been in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting before? Good, a good percentage of you. So, so in most of the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings I've ever been in, they read a portion of this chapter five entitled How It Works, and, and people may or may not have internalized the instruction and what have you, but what they're really reading is the, the summary of the experiences of one and two leading us to a third step decision. Does that make sense? So we're going to start in chapter five, page 58 of your book, if you're following along in a book. And again, it's a chapter entitled How It Works. And they start out with a promise and condition. Let's see if you can catch the promise and the condition. It says, rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. Who heard a promise? Rarely have we seen a person fail. Those of you who don't know the significance of this story, this is the book, people call it the big book, but the real title of the book is Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands and men of, of Thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. And two weeks ago, we talked about who the we were. The we were the first 100. So they went from hundreds to thousands, and they bear witness, their testimony to this experience of awakening in the spirit and being restored to sanity. Make sense? So they said that rarely have we seen a person fail who... Notice how they did not say paths. There was a hundred of them, talking about thousands of them, one path. Think they made a mistake? Who felt that? How many people in here are students of that other book know what that path is? Okay. All right. So, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So, have you ever visited recovery rooms before, and then had struggles and left? Did you think of yourself as a cannot or a will not? What did you conclude? You thought you're a will not till you found out you're a cannot? So what we're about is an end to judgment. It doesn't matter, cannot, will not. The outcome was the same, right? So it says, constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So they're starting to set us aside. Honest with ourselves about what? There could be a multitude of reasons. So I heard somebody say everything. The authors at this point haven't gone out into the world too much about what that experience is. They've talked to us about two specific experiences I better get honest with myself about. You want to review them? Would it make sense to go back? Okay, so what I want to go to then is, is um, I've got to get to the doctor's opinion. I'm in the forwards. So that's not going to help me. The doctor's opinion, and I want to go to, um, see, XXVII. No, let me go one further. Yeah, that is where I want to be, but I'm on the bottom of that page. So Roman numeral 27 bottom of the page, and it says, of course an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. And this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be a maximum benefit. Um, that isn't where I wanted to be. This is my first time, so bear with me. So I'm going to jump to the bottom of that page now. We talked about the physical craving. Now I want to go to XXVIII, bottom of that page. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. If you're not a drinker, yet you found yourself in recovery rooms, did you like the effect produced by that which you sought? Yes. Where's my opiate addicts? So can you bring to consciousness right now the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by getting a bump? Are you sober? So you're sober some period of time, but right now, 
you can bring to consciousness. Where's my drinkers? Can you bring to consciousness right now the sense of ease and comfort that comes from taking a few drinks? Breathe it in. You feel it? Are you sober? So, sober, no, that's not a good idea for me, but I can still bring it to consciousness, my awareness, right? All right, so it says the sensation is so elusive that that while they admit it injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. How many of you got some clean time, then thought, well, perhaps I've overreacted? And then all of a sudden you're spun like a monkey again. You know what I mean, spun like a monkey? Where's my tweakers? You know, you know the guy. Okay. So what the author, the doctor is opining here, we want to see if this is true, because this is why I want to awaken spiritually, and I need to know if this is true for me. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. How many of you have had some clean time? Got restless, irritable, and discontented, even if you wouldn't have used those words, but all of a sudden nothing was right, and you knew how to make things right, and perhaps I overreacted. So I... Okay, so that is what one thing I've got to be honest about is that I'm restless, irritable, and discontent unless I can find ease and comfort. And my only source of ease and comfort are worldly things. That's, that's what I know. Yeah? So then I want to go to page 52. No, 50. I'm, see, I'm telling you, this is my very first time. 50. And it says... Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. So when they talk about men and women, worldly, they were doctors, they were lawyers, they were business leaders. They also found themselves hopelessly alcoholic, addicted, some combination thereof. Okay? Um, they flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. So the authors never suggested that abstinence was going to be a pleasant experience for us. How many of you in your last day or days in active addiction had some period of time where you were out or you were trying to quit and can remember the desperation you felt so that's not a sustainable condition, right? So the authors aren't telling us that their solution is to sit there and don't pick up no matter what. They're saying, let's change your dependency since you're already dependent. So that they knew people like me always was looking for my ease and comfort in the world, and that's how I got twisted. And they said, if you'll do what we did, you'll know how to find your ease and comfort from within. Some of you students of that other book know that rivers of living water flow into us. Does that make sense? Okay, so the goal of 12-step recovery, the program is not abstinence, it's spiritual inebriation, awakening of the spirit. Sound like a plan that would work? So I gotta be honest, I need ease and comfort, and I'm willing to give a go, at this ease and comfort from within. Yes? Okay. And remember, half of these guys were atheists or agnostics. So it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what you're willing to do. Make sense? Okay. All right. So it says they're naturally in incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So the manner of living is described in this step process. And... You're going to have some grace along the way, but you're going to have a sanctification process as you grow into your awareness of this power within you. Fair enough? Okay. Yeah. Says, says their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So how many of you have been around recovery fellowships a while? 
How many of you have met those people with grave emotional and mental disorders? How many of you have been here long enough to know it's you? They wrote this in a very inoffensive way so we could discover ourselves. It's not for me to tell you it's you, but I'll guarantee if you do this work, I find out from trying to help you how sick I was. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so, so our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, or what we are like now. Now, over the years in fellowship, we started going into stories about what it was like, and that's not what they said. The reason I want to do an inventory is to get armed with the facts about myself, so I need to know what I was like, what happened, this encounter we talked about last week with two, and then what I'm like now, or what do I aspire to be, or does it make sense? Okay, and, and the reason I'm contemplating this now is because an alcoholic properly armed with the facts about himself can generally win the confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. And our whole model here, and a felon, an inmate, an ex-offender, a member, properly armed with the facts about themselves, can generally win the confidence of another member in a few hours. Does that make sense? The whole peer model. Because we, we need to know that we're okay as we are. Yeah? But I also need to know where I came from, which is why I need to know what I was like. Not what it was like, that's perspective. I was homeless, living in a box under a bush, and I thought I chose it. Only suckers pay rent. You feel me? Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, okay. So, if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So sometimes we get racing and no one ponders what we're talking about if you want what we have. I would have to read their book to see what they have because they're not talking about anyone in our modern fellowship. So we're going to have to go to page is it 27, Sean? 25? Let's go to 25. Middle of the page, it says, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central facts of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Now that may sound like nothing if you come from a religious background, but remember half of them were atheists or agnostics. They went from I don't believe God exists, or I don't believe God can be proven to exist, to the absolute certainty that my creator dwells in me and lives through me. Why do I, as a hopeless addict, need to have certainty? How many of you knew that your drug habit or whatever was injurious to you? and the people you cared about. How many of you found that even with that knowledge, at some point when something went bad, no matter what the consequence, if you could get to that trap house, you would feel different? You were certain of that, weren't you? What else were you certain of? Not much. So we're talking about a sensory transformative power growing within me or my consciousness of that power growing within me into a certainty which allows me to navigate the world and remember that my ease and comfort comes from within, not from the world. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're back to if you want what we have and you're willing to go to any lengths, to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So those of you who cared to follow want that absolute certainty that Creator dwells within you and lives through you. Okay. And you may not because you don't know what it means, but, but if you just want to be separated from that part of you that wants you dead, that's a good start. Yeah? Okay. So it says that some of these we balked. 
Okay, because if it's just laid out to us, right, it's not about saying a prayer. It's about asking for power to go in, get the facts about myself. Someone's laid out the whole manner of living before me. I'm going to go make, I'm going to get an inventory. I'm going to find out who I've harmed and how I've harmed them. I'm going to go make an approach to try and make restitutions for harms done. And then I'm going to grow in conscious relation through prayer and meditation based on that experience. And the big amends is going to be going out and finding people a lot like me and telling them about the God that sent me to them. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So, so with all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. How many of you get what they're saying? How many of you had some old ideas that held you back? How many of you had an old persona? I want to be sober and not screwing everything up, but I kind of like being a bad guy, too. <laughs> Those things will hold you back, huh? Okay. All right. So remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one, God and power are interchangeable for our use. Does that make sense? So that people that have problem with religion don't, don't get it twisted. We're seeking power to live, right? So there's one who has all power. That one is? Notice how they didn't say any of our names. Now they said, may you find him now. So they're assuming they, I now know where I'm going looking. Where do I find this power we call God? Deep down inside. And how do I find him? Sometimes they have to search fearlessly. So now the step process is starting to make sense, right? So I'm getting ready. May you find him now. Okay, God, if you're going, let's go. We're going to go find out who I was or who I thought I was. And ultimately, once I get to find out who you are, then I'll know who I am in you, and I'll know what we're doing from here. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so it says half measures availed us nothing. How many of you trying to grow spiritually found out that half measures indeed do avail nothing? How many of you have been deluded into thinking that sometimes half measures seem to get us half, and that was cool? Until it didn't, because we cannot, will not shit. Yeah? Okay. So we stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. So they're assuming by now I've encountered this power and someone has given me the dignity to know that that power you felt that I shared with you, that is this creator that we're talking about. We, we, not everyone that gets hit with the spirit knows what they're being hit with. So it's our job, those of us that are feeling that signature, to let them know that you have just met the creator of the universe. Make sense? Okay. I'm not going to read through the steps. But I am going to get to the end, page 60, and talk about our response to looking at the steps in their entirety sometimes, right? It says, many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. I know we tend to say that, but every one of us to a person looked at it, and we may not have said, what an order. I can't go through with it. But I'm like, I ain't telling that guy. I ain't telling him nothing. Take that shit to the grave. If I knew I had to pay it all back, I wouldn't have stole so much. <laughs> In other words, we're looking downfield because we're not quite ready yet because we haven't got armed with the facts about ourselves. We haven't unburdened ourselves to another person. We haven't, we haven't done the things that prep us for these other things, and we'll get scared. So all of us, there's no point in saying bullshit. What the author said is do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. And why am I willing to grow along spiritual lines? If, if I don't grow on spiritual lines, I will return to what I've always been. Okay? All right. So it says, do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we've set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. The principles they've, they've laid down are contained in the steps and the instruction to the steps. So as you go through the step experience, they're going to describe to you 
promises of the steps that are states of being you'll experience when you're at that level of consciousness of creator. That's why we shouldn't hang them on the wall and say these are the promises when they're the ninth step promises. And, you know, there's promises throughout the book. They're not the promises. They're, they're the ninth step promises. And there's promises in three that we'll get to tonight. And there's promises in 10 and 11 and 12. Does it make sense? And it's all about the state of awareness I'm in of the creator within me. Okay, so our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. So they wrote us a chapter to the agnostic, which is where we encountered God and understood the sensory nature of God and knew that people don't believe in something they can't feel, see, direct, and use. And that's why they compared belief in God, to belief in electricity, stick your finger in a light socket, see if you don't come to believe in electrical theory. <laughs> and if you'll, if you'll start improving consciousness of this power we call God, this isn't a theology, it's a relationship with a power greater than me living in me. He often allows me to behave better than I'm thinking. Okay? All right, so it says, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Notice how they separated those two. How many of you copped to step one without knowing what your unmanageability was? Right, yeah, my life's a shit show. Hell yeah, powerless, unmanageable. They didn't even talk to me about the unmanageability coming from within until I was in step two. So they've separated those two things. You guys remember that? Okay, all right, so that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. How many of you tried to will it away? How many of you got locked up so it would go away? How many of you found out that didn't work? Okay. So every human power, ours and outside forces, could not remove that internal storm, could it? Okay. And that God couldn't, what if he were sought? So where are we going to find God? Deep down within. So that tells me where source is. Yes? And they told me the main problem is where... So if this power does not go with me, my plan is doomed to failure because the problem and the solution both dwell in me. So I better learn to feed the solution. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so being convinced, we were at step three. So being convinced of what? A, B, and C. A, B, and C. Are you convinced? Okay, they're going to recap which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Now, over the years, people have said, that's a God of your understanding. No, that's not what they said. They will tell you in a vision for you, after you're already out carrying the message of God's power in your life, that abandon yourself to God as you understand God, but they've always put that in italics or parentheses, or they've underlined it, because the God I understood then is not the God I understand today because I have grown in consciousness of the experience and the understanding I have reached through my human form is divine understanding. And, and so I have to know that the God they understood came to them as power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowing in, cool wind of a mountaintop blowing through and through. They go to great lengths to describe the sensory experience of an encounter with the creator. Does that make sense? Because they're not trying to sell me anything because I ain't buying anything I can't see, feel, direct, and use. Okay? All right. So, so just what do we mean by that and what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So, are you convinced? Based on what? Okay, but this one's got a deeper requirement, doesn't it? Because it didn't say my life, it said any life. So I've got to quit judging how I'm thinking and feeling by how I see you act or hear you speak. In other words, I've got to own 100% my emotional nature. I've got to discipline my thinker. That's a taller order than, yes? Okay. All right, so on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. 
Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, and the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. I point your attention to they went very quickly from me acknowledging that I'm an alcoholic and then acknowledging my common role with people. Because they're not really going to try and treat my alcoholic condition. They're going to treat my human condition, which is very simply a lack of identity. Does that make sense? Right. So, so what I need to do, some of you felt that. Who felt that? Okay. <laughs> It was you. All right. All right. So if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may be, sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. Thank you. There you go. Anyone besides Sean find yourself in that? Kind. Gracious, come on, I would encourage all of you to find yourself there, right? And then let's go on. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. How many of you see yourself there? Okay, so if we're honest, we can find ourselves in both camps, yes? All right, so, but as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. So I'm, I'm not only acknowledging my humanity by owning those two things, but I'm acknowledging yours. Does that make sense? Okay. So what usually happens? Yeah, we don't get into rooms like this on a winning streak, do we? So the show doesn't come off very well, it says. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. And still the play does not suit him. Any of you had that experience? Just really, I'm trying to be this guy, and it, it just, it's just not right. Why me? Anybody? Okay. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? So that when they put a question mark in this book, it's time to go inward. I'm to ask myself, what is my basic trouble? If I can relate to that, what is my basic trouble? Why do I want to go inward at that point? Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. If I don't see what I'm not seeing, which is the part I play, then I don't have any explanation other than you caused my emotional and mental pain. And if that's true, and there's one who has all power, I am in very bad standing with God. So since I do not believe it's possible for me or you to be in bad standing with God, that means I have misperceived. Does that make sense? You know why I say that? Number one, because I know who I was and what happened and what I'm like now. But I also know that I did not lift God up so I can't let him down. Got me? Neither can you. And you didn't get here because you weren't chosen. Okay. All right. So says, is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? You ever ask yourself that question? How many of you gave something absolutely selflessly to somebody? And then they did not receive it with the grace you would have expected. <laughs> Therefore, I did not give it to them selflessly. Does it make sense? It's just a, judge, a judgment I place on myself or on them. But the reality is there was self-involved, which is the problem, yes? Okay, so is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Have you ever been victimized by that delusion? We're actually taught, they write books on how we're supposed to make things happen. Right? So we can be forgiven that we actually think we do. 
I mean, we can be consistent, we can show up, we can follow through on our commitments, but without vision, you don't make nothing happen. Anyway, um, did you know it was a delusion? No, because delusion, the nature of delusion is you lie to yourself and then you don't know you're lying. Okay. So is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? So how many of you are running around acting like you were in charge? Someone found out you weren't in charge. In fact, they think they're in charge, and now they want to argue with you over who's in charge when both of you are in the delusion that you're in charge, but that's never happened to anybody? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show. So now I'm trying to learn a little compassion. Not only do I take things upon me and assume you should do what I say and then get offended when you don't, but I also need to understand that when you do that to me, you're probably similarly deluded. So is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him, and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations, are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity? See, you may not know that at this stage of where you are, someone helping you with it. The point of the inventory is to see where I was selfish, self-pitying, self-seeking, and I'm going to know these things about me. And then that not only lets me off the hook, but it lets all of you off the hook. And if I don't get there, remember they told me that we want to in, in regard ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation. I don't want to think of myself as the Alpha and the Omega because I know that's not true. I need to start thinking of myself as the hands and feet of God. Does that make sense? Okay. So um, selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Caution to those of you who have not had a step experience. These guys are writing in about an experience they have had. No one is suggesting that if you were abused as a child or as an adult that you had any part in the abuse. What we learn later is if I receive the grace to get through those traumas and if I will own those traumas as well as the grace, then I will be empowered to use those traumas and that grace to alleviate suffering for millions. In other words, what I thought was a wasted past becomes a life-saving asset. Does that make sense? So a whole bunch of you felt that just now. Okay. So, so you got to get through the steps before you know that, and no one's suggesting you had a part in the abuse you may have suffered, but the fact that you got through it, maybe your unforgiveness is killing you. And, and since we can use it to help other people similarly afflicted, we'll find purpose in it. Make sense? Okay. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making, they arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. So what they told me earlier was that people, they're just regular examples of self-will run riot. And I am a people with an alcoholic condition. I'm an extreme example of self-will run riot, and I don't think so. Which means I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer from slights real and imagined. And I'm guessing most of my slights are imagined because I just doubt that any of you think of me quite as often as I do. <laughs> Make sense? But enough of me talking about me. Let's hear what you think about me. 
Um, okay. So above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. The rest of the world's going to be as the rest of the world is. If I want to live long and be happy, I'm going to have to get rid of selfishness. They're going to talk a little bit about that. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. I think you want to internalize that. If you think you can get rid of your selfishness without a power greater than you releasing it, I point out to you that if you're aware of self, there you are. It's, it's impossible for the human to be rid of self without that power and purpose flowing through it. Um, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. So how many of you had a plan? Moral and philosophical convictions. How many of you implemented them numerous times? How many of you ended up a little sketchy? <laughs> Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. And no one is telling you that you don't have a part. That's why you're going to turn your will and your life over to God. Not because he wants your will, but you're going to align your will with him so that you can be a better servant. Make sense? And you're still going to have to give your extra... 1%. Right? Okay. All right. So this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Hmm. Why? It didn't work. That's often disturbing to the atheists and agnostics among us because they didn't realize they were playing the part of a character they didn't believe in. It's quite a revelation. Next, we decided that here and after in, our, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. So what does a director do? Yeah, that means that I really don't need to be out directing the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. Right? Because there, there is a director. Um, he's the principal, we're his agents. He's the father and we're his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. So what concept? Yep, he's the father and we're his children. So that what they're trying to get us to do is not theorize, but to walk in certainty of who we are and whose we are. Because once I know who I am and whose I am, I can't be defeated in spite of the evidence. Does that make sense? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And those of you who don't, it's available to all. Okay. Um, I want to point out at this point what I learned about that little thing they describe. It's quite easy as we're coming up through addiction, maybe we didn't tear our life up as early as some or whatever, but we start realizing, well, my kids are a mess. My parents are terrible. My employer sucks. But here I am in the part that is my life. And the lights pan to me. And because I'm off arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet, I'm not there to play my part. So the show couldn't possibly come off if they all did it perfect. And I have no idea because... I was too busy playing God. Does that make sense, what they're saying? Because sometimes we miss the simplicity of the message. Um, so it says, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. How do I demonstrate the sincerity of my decision? Yeah, there would be a product, right? The old timers used to say to us, Three flogs on a log. One makes a decision to jump. How many are on the log? Three. All three. All he did was make a decision. He didn't jump. I heard it till I was nauseous. <laughs> Don't tell me you're doing your steps. 
show me your fourth step. And if it isn't that, then show me your process of amends. And if it's not that, who are you working with? Matter of fact, you won't have to tell me, I'll know. Because when the light comes on, they're going to come to you. Then you're going to call and say, those people are wasting my time. <laughs> nah. Nah, they're reminding you who, who has all power. Treat them accordingly. So, those of you that stu students of the other book, all sorts of remarkable things followed. It's evident if we're walking in power because signs and wonders follow us. You don't believe that? How many of you know the story of this place? <laughs> hopeless, hopeless addict. Seriously mentally ill. Meets a lifer who really never had any hope of getting out, but he wanted to help people stay out so he didn't make his life on the yard miserable. True story. And I met him because I was getting letters from prison saying, I see in your videos in here, and I just wanted to ask you about this. And I'm thinking, well, I mean, I know a lot of people go to prison because I'm in recovery, but I don't know this many fucking people who go to prison. <laughs> so I started inquiring, how did my videos get on the Florence complex to 5,000 people? And they led me to Joe Chapetta, and I went to Joe Chapetta. And he said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I got sent to you, and you may not believe this, but I got to say something into your life. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to bring you hope and a future. True story. And Denise and I went on an extended period of poverty lost everything, and then one day we spoke of it about 2019, and in 2020, in October, it opened up, and, and now here you all are, and when you come here, we say welcome home, because indeed, I say to you tonight, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. And, and we're still walking in that, and you're walking in that, and thank you for honoring it. Okay. So, so it says, we had a new employer being all-powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. So how do I keep close to this power within me? Conscious contact, prayer and meditation, all day as I go along. Pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful. Pray, meditate, pray. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then, what is his work? If you love me, feed my sheep. That's what he said. Don't talk about it, be about it. Okay. Um, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. How many of you have discovered how little your plans and designs were for your life when God's plan for your life started to unfold? And it gets bigger still. Okay, more and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. How many of you looked for what you could take forever, and then found out you finally found freedom in finding out what you could put back. I call that to your attention because the next thing, they're going to start talking to you about the experience of awakening to the Spirit. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow or the hereafter, we were reborn. So how many of you understand what has to happen prior to a rebirth? So those steps, what in order, I can't go through with it. Well, of course it's hard, it's a crucifixion of self. But the freedom is that once I know who I am and whose I am, 
No fear, right? Okay. All right. So then it says we're now at step three. Didn't they say that shit like? (laughs) Alcoholics kind of piss you off, don't they? (laughs) They just assume I fell asleep somewhere in the reading. So they said this a few pages ago, then they went through to see if I was paying any attention, and now we're, okay, you're with me now? So if you're with me now, we're now at step three. Okay? Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, guys, don't get it twisted. They put it in italics. You've got to see how they understood him. Absolute certainty that the creator dwelled in them and lived through them. They're talking about a sensory experience. If you don't have that encounter, you will never move through the rest of the manner of living. Does it make sense? Okay. So I'm going to read their prayer, but let's not get juicy because I'm going to get to the bottom. And, and really, prayers that other people write that we just recite, they don't mean anything to us. And the problem with that is God doesn't care about prayers you don't care about. In spite of whatever anyone tells you, God dwells in you. So if you don't care, he don't care about the prayer. He cares about you, but he'd been lied to you by you before. <laughs> you can say ouch if you can't say amen. <laughs> that chap always tells us, if you don't want to give us an amen, just give us an ouch. Okay. All right, so God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. So how many of you talk in King James language? Sean and one other. <laughs> okay. okay, so most of us do not talk in King James language. Therefore... You may want to talk to creator how you talk, because he already knows how you talk. Okay? says, uh, notice how there wasn't a name in there. Once upon a time, someone printed these on a card, and they put a name in at the bottom, they hand it out, and say, here you go, memorize the third step prayer. Everybody needs to memorize the third step prayer, and they're adding a name in. They don't put a name in there, because it's only half the prayer, folks. I'm not expected to do anything I haven't examined. Don't start to build the tower without first counting the cost. Okay. Um, So we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. That doesn't sound like much if you read through it fast, but I've got to let go of the way I think it should be and start walking in the way it is. And I have a mind that attacks me about that all day, and it also tells me that you are the reason for my suffering. And that's not true either. And so I have to, I have to start really digging in to this spiritual growth gig. Yeah, abandon myself utterly to him. So it says we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. So how many of you have wanted to do this stuff with somebody maybe because you're uncomfortable or okay so their experience is it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand which is why you may want somebody familiar with the process to help you with it because when I talk about relieve me of the bondage of self I may not normally talk that way but I had self-limiting thoughts that kept me in bondage for years not just addiction just who I was versus who I wanted you to think I was versus, does it make sense? And I really need somebody that understands that I've been in serious bondage. And I need some serious chain breaking. Okay? Um, so I may need to meet with God alone than with someone who might misunderstand the desperation with which I See, because when God's people cry out, God comes down. Trust me on that. If you don't believe it, come here Saturday. Saturday, I thought the place, the roof was going to blow off. Uh, Chap and Camille. Um, um, 
The wording was, of course, quite optional so long as we expressed the idea of voicing it without reservation. So they told me the first step in recovery was we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost self. I can't do that based on a lie. That was admitting my alcoholic condition. Now I'm admitting my human condition. I can't do that without God's help. I can't fully concede to my innermost self based on a lie. Does that make sense? So, so voicing it without reservation. So what I normally do with people I'm working with is the wording's optional. And if you don't talk in King James language, now that you know what this is, what the intent is, I'm looking for power to go inward and find out what I was like, what happened, what I'm like now or what I hope to be like in the future, that I want to go out and approach the people I've harmed. I want to know exactly how I've harmed them. I want to tell them that I know that they did not deserve it. Does it make sense? I want to grow in this relationship, okay? So I got to be able to voice that without reservation. Does it make sense? So if you don't write it, you're just reciting somebody else's, you may cheat yourself out of the benefit. Does that make any sense? Okay. So it says, this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. So that's your... That's actually your amen in your third step prayer, and it's not your utterance, it's the confirmation in the spirit. Does that make sense? So if you go and honestly and humbly make this, then the effect produced is going to be your agreement. Some of you are feeling that. Who did that and had that happen and no one explained to you that's what happened? Why do I know you when we come together and we start talking about our common journey? Never met you before. But we're one in the spirit, aren't we? And sometimes we're asleep to that. So right here, that effect sometimes a very great one. Let me tell you one a little more worldly, and then I'll shut it down. I've told this story many times. But I was working with a guy who had been in recovery for about 10 years, met him at a meeting, went through a step experience presentation like this with him. And he told me, I've never done my steps. So I'd like for you to take me because it makes you sound like you might have known something about this. And I said, well, let's hope so. But I'm still afraid I'm going to mess them up sometime. And then I remember it's not me anyway. Um, anyway, we went through this one, two, three, laid him out, laid out the decision for him. I said, look, go home, meet God alone. Give me a call. Tell me about the effect you had. And then we'll decide what we're going to do from there. So nothing happens till about 9, 30, 10 o'clock tonight. I get this call from this dude. He says, hey, man, how are you doing? He goes, well, said that prayer. I didn't feel anything. <laughs> but my inventory's done. <laughs> and I'd like to discuss it with you tomorrow. Yeah. And I said, well, brother, sometimes after 10 years in recovery, a done inventory would be considered an effect. So don't think you didn't get a promise just because it doesn't look the way you think it'll look. That's, that's the moral of that story, and next week we'll take a look at that inventory. Thank you very much. Yeah.